podcasting played nobody. No one said that I should do media. I work in the media. No one said I should work in the media, but no one especially said I should do the media as in like uh, be interviewed. So oh, I, I did an, I did an interview well after the fact, considering our show is now alive on YouTube, but dead on go 90 for foul play. And you have an issue with it. I have a bone to pick. Now, oh, first God. things first, it was a very good interview. It was very entertaining. It wasn't as, it wasn't as, um, well, whatever word you want to use here. It, it, you said like, I probably shouldn't have done this or I probably shouldn't have said that. No, there was nothing in there you shouldn't have said. It was, it was very entertaining. Um, for the so, record, I called the CEO of the athletic a dipshit. Yeah. Um, but you also said the athletic is fine. So you really, I said more than the person. athletic was fine. I said, I was very happy the athletic exists because we have, we have a number of friends who got jobs there, um, who are, were either previously unemployed or left other jobs to go to the athletic, thus opening their previous jobs, thus creating more jobs in the market. And I tried to hammer that home as much as possible, but I know the way the internet works that if it, if it gets legs and it takes life at all, it'll just be like, God, for thinks the athletic is shit. So yeah, and I I don't know if it has or not, but uh, but okay. So for the record, this this interview is with the Politic. Um, I I know nothing about the background, but right now the top stories at the Politic are something about um, solidarity solidarity with survivors march at Yale, uh, an interview with Jake Tapper of CNN, budget problems in Bridgeport, Connecticut, uh, and the rally for Nelson's freedom. Uh, Nelson Pino's uh, something something something. Which uh, and then, I fit into that story rotation perfectly. Sure, yeah. And then you scroll down. You have an interview with Ben Shapiro and an interview with Stephen Godfrey. <laughs> but it, it was it, it was good. I mean, the, you way know, to put the, those in way to put those in that order. Well, that, that was the order that they to show up on the screen. So, um, uh-huh. but anyway, it was it was unique. I, I thought uh, you represented yourself well and and there's uh, some interesting things in there about uh, the weird tribalism uh, of sports and how politics is you know politics uh, reporters can probably learn from that uh and then at the bottom because this is the way it works for both of us right now if we get interviewed uh chances are we're going to be asked about the other person at some point uh so one of the questions here is about our uh work marriage you work your work with podcast ain't played nobody is pretty innovative at integrating data with traditional sports journalism however i'm wondering as our world gets quantified more and more what do you think the future holds for sports journalism uh what how much will the how, how much will numbers crowd out the words I, I enjoyed the wording of that question they always uh, ask questions that only you can answer right and i and i get asked about like bagman stuff too like we we really our worlds really are like they, they've been crystallized to the point where we're, we have like one set of topics that we talk about you're smart enough to talk about the landscape of uh the black market underneath college football and people are like i mean do you really think s&p plus takes into account da, 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 and i'm just like brain goes to like a tapioca color that's it i i, I you can kind of you can answer those questions directed at me very well because you're educated and versatile. I just, I just always say, you know, it happens everywhere. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, what, what am I going to say? Math happens. Every it, math does happen. Explosion um, rate. Look so over anyway, there. so anyway, here's here's the answer. Um, and I, and I was I was I loved it right up to the point where I was like, hey, oh, hey, wait a second. All right, so uh, in this, Godfrey says, the, geni- the genesis for the podcast, other than we were at a meeting one time and Bill came up and said we should do a podcast sometime. That's the truth. Uh, it, it was. We were at an SBN meeting. They were like, we need another podcast. I said, hey, what about me and Godfrey? Um, My first thought was, oh. 
oh, that sounds like work. And then, it, and then my second response was, yes, but it'll look like I'm working. <laughs> that was it. He said it was born out of the uh, out of the idea that I would go out and do these pieces. This coach is doing this. This team is doing this. Standard journalism. But I got into the habit of approaching a subject, seeing the pre- preconceived notions, and then calling Bill and asking, "Hey, is this actually true?" Um, That's true. So, What's wrong with you know, that? So we go on and on, all good, all good. And then he says, and then Godfrey says, I'll give you an example. There's a defensive coordinator at Texas Tech named David Gibbs, <laughs> who a few years back was at the University of Houston. Gibbs swears by the fact that you can coach a certain way and effectively create an uptick in turnovers. This is true. Yes. Bill refutes this emphatically based on numbers. He says turnovers are entirely luck-based. Luck-based. Incorrect. They're right, partially luck-based. So you are ascribing some skill to this? Yes. So, for Split the that record, hair. L- let me just let me just spell it out. Um, it, I did enjoy. He, you also said it's almost like saying I can coach you into being a great roulette player, um, which is yeah. But no. So there are turnover opportunities, and then there are the, the there is the randomness that follows. You can coach to try in such a way to try to create turnover opportunities. Now, in the in the piece you wrote about Gibbs, one of his things was basically like, yeah, when they break a big play, don't don't tackle them, just ride them for twenty yards and try to strip the ball out. I'm not real sure that's the best idea. But I'm sure, like, if you coach proper fumble stripping technique, you can force at least a couple more turnover, uh, for a couple more fumbles per year doing it that way. Um, the main problem I've got with Dibs, Gibbs is that, uh, in terms of quote unquote turnover opportunities, here's here's the list of things that are truly correlated uh, with uh, f- forced fumbles, with opponents fumbling the ball, sacks. That's the entire list. Sack rates have a decent uh, a marginal correlation with with fumbles, which makes sense, right? I mean, sack and strip and all that. Um, so you, you, I mean, you can't say, "Hey, go sack the quarterback more," but you can uh, adjust your tactics for that, and you can adjust your tactics so that they create passing downs, which create more sack opportunities, which create more fumble opportunities. Meanwhile, passes defensed. Uh, if you are forcing passing downs and you are harassing the quarterback, you are your odds of getting a pass defensed either intercept or broken up uh, also rise because the quarterback is harried. He might be uh, throwing into coverage more. Uh, they're just the, the, in, the interception rate rises when that down and distance rises too. Great. Um, get, like, so, so in that way, you can create opportunities. And even if you are unlucky or lucky or whatever, you're still creating more chances at turnovers. And over time, that works pretty well. Gibbs does the, like the exact opposite. He's like, hey, get, take six yards anytime you want it. We're just going to hack at the ball every single time. And that's harder for me to accept. I'm going to get the man on the podcast. I look Let's forward to it. Let's just bury this. Let's bury I this beef. I look forward to it. But, yes, I, was, I, I emphatically this is the reject freaking, one This is the word. freaking Pusher T. Pusher T Drake of analyst coach wars. I emphatically deny the only rap beef I could think of at the moment because it's oh I could say push and Meek Mill no Meek Mill and Drake yes Meek Mill and Drake wow Uh, to 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 be so out of one's depth and keep talking is a gift turnovers are not entirely luck based I want a full uh, retraction I demand anyway I just wanted that spelled out yeah there's like eight words misspelled in that Yale article so I don't think you're getting that all right. Bill hates coaches and sure. doesn't believe that they do anything. This is podcast ain't play nobody. It's a college football marriage of numbers and words. That's the especially, especially prickly robot Bill Connolly. You can reach him at, at SBN underscore Bill C. He's the author 
of multiple books about the college football numbers and words, and he is also the proprietor of the S&P Plus Analytics System. Tune in every Sunday evening, usually, when we unveil each week's top 25 S&P Plus. They're the only rankings that matter in college football, period, full stop. That's right, Ralph Russo. You heard me. He's probably not listening every week because he's real busy. I get that. Uh, my name is Stephen Godfrey. Uh, yeah, I have... Um, my name is Stephen Godfrey. Nobody gave me a good self-deprecating line here. I just wanted to say that um, uh, I am still whoring out for your YouTube clicks. So, Bill, can you take a note real fast? No, probably not. Okay. Uh, so take a note. Uh, we need to go and push those YouTube numbers, not for any real reason, other than the fact that I found out, like, do you know what VidCon is? Uh, I fall into wormholes on Ambien sometimes. And, um, and order stuff. Yeah, occasionally I buy things, which is bad. I have a copy of uh, Heat on Blu-ray. Do I own a Blu-ray player? Mm-mm. Did I buy it on Blu-ray? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's Heat, by the way. <laughs> I realize we got a generational gap in the listenership. That would be the Michael Mann film from 1995, not the Melissa McCarthy thing. Um, we need to we need to push me into. I, I would like to be. Do you know who Logan Paul is? I just found it. So this is a guy who took us like a selfie video with a dead body or something, and he calls it content. Like there's this whole culture of of like real young people who just like kind of dick around on their phones and stuff like everybody else. They make videos out of it, and then they become like I have no idea how very tribal uh, celebrities of some sort, and they're like they actually get a ton of money. Although I can't figure out how or why. Yeah, I haven't quite pieced all that together. I have an agent. I should ask him. Um, anyway, I mean, that's basically where this thing's headed. All right? That's all foul play was. Is, really, is really high-budget YouTube selfie film where I look like I've been beaten with a stick throughout the entirety of it. I'm really worried right now, Bill. I'm on. I'm finishing a second draft of a story. I'm trying to be a participatory parent and husband. Um, we're going on, My family and I are going on a trip next week. I'm very, very busy, but I have to be on TV in a couple weeks. And, um, yeah, I'm a little worried about it because I just constantly look like like a really haggard like bass player in like a country western band who hasn't shaved. And I know it sounds cool, but it's not because well, I'm just a Nashville. little puffy and a little pale and just it's not good. You look like you're from Nashville then. I was going to solicit this audience for some sort of facial, maybe more of a skincare regiment, but I really feel like I'm probably preaching to the wrong choir. And then I could, and then I'm like, well, I know a couple ladies listen, but then it's like, well, I what am I doing? Am I gender biased there? I don't know. I don't know. So having, the longest show having, intro. In a, this is the longest show intro we've had at least this football Having searched uh, Wikipedia for VidCon, I am now an expert, by the way. It's like a bunch of, they don't do anything. And then they get it, then they get in beefs, but it's all just like rich white kids and stuff from the suburbs. So it's not like, you know, they're going to murder each other. But they get in beefs with each other, and that's how like it kind of bolsters the the culture. This is the whole thing. Watch, watch this freaking segue. You ready? <clears throat> this is why everyone in college football is worried about the future in 2022, 2023. Because this stuff right here, because like 16-year-olds are just all in on this, and there's no way to bring them back to the old apparatus of viewing habits. And because of that, all these cable providers and networks and stuff, they're freaking out because they don't have these Logan Paul dipshit kids, right? So everything that we know about the platforms and the viewing consumption patterns, everyone's freaking out because 15-year-olds are staring at other like slightly less awkward-looking 15-year-olds who are doing like brand placement in a YouTube clip. I'm serious. 
It started out as a joke, but there's truth to this because one of the, the part of the story I'm working on right now involves the Big 12 and the whole like will they won't they little 90 day window that they exercised two years ago about expansion and and roughly what the decision was was not that the big 12 wanted to expand or didn't want to expand it's that someone told the big 12 that it didn't matter and that you know you weren't going to get a ton more money if you added x more teams which was the blueprint for a long time it's why missouri and a&m are in the sec and nebraska with the big 10 also because they hate texas etc etc no one knows what's going to happen. Nobody. So everybody, and we get it. We get it once a week. Bill, we get it five times a week where people are asking about the next round of realignment as it affects a school and who is well positioned. We have no idea because the the platform by which they generated these monetary values for schools, or hey, if this happens, this kind of deal will emerge. It's gone. I'm really shocked now, and we haven't heard anything in a while about this ACC network coming to ESPN. Does that feel like a good idea? Probably not. Uh, it, it didn't really feel like a good idea at the time. I know. And then it was like a two-year delay or whatever where you're like, man, what? <laughs> this feels weird now, and what the hell's going to be happening in two years? Yeah. This is off-season discussion. We're very much in season. By we the gotta, way, VidCon um, uh, drew over 30,000. They draw over 30,000 people to the Anaheim Convention Center. That's what I'm saying. Okay, I'm not hallucinating when I when I fall into these Wikipedia slash Google News wormholes. I mean, you, maybe you are, but well, I'm. I mean, whatever. You know, it's a prescription drug, so I'm not breaking the law. Um, this is a whole thing. This is changing consumption and viewing patterns. All of this is going to change. The, look, the concept. Just stay with me for a second. If you're 16 now and you're and you're way involved in this, that means you're going to be 18. You're going to go to college. You're going to graduate. You're going to be 22 years old in six years, 23, whatever. Like, you're going to go. That's roughly the age when people are like, "All right, I'm going to maybe get cable for the first." They're not going to do that. There will be no A and E or TLC or Bravo. Entire sea of Kardashians just cried out, "Great disturbance." Uh, none of that's going to exist. It's all going to be a la carte. Can I just go ahead and, as I desperately try and transition us out of this and say that I really do feel like Apple or Google is going to get involved here soon with sports? Yeah, like live well, sports? I mean, we've seen, well, uh, you know, Google, Facebook, is like we've seen a lot, Amazon, um, like dip toes in the waters and uh try to figure out exactly like what can we do with this what can we make money off of how yeah no i mean i think it's absolutely on the table but it is amazing because i don't know what to say beyond it's on the table yeah um all right so the point of that was i want you to go and make sure you drive my youtube numbers up on foul play i don't care if you've seen it just stream it again and don't do that thing where you just click on it for a minute and then click off because because we see that sure I see what you're doing on your laptop, and I don't approve. I need you to turn it on, go walk your dog, come back, give the dog a good walk. The dog loves you, and then and then do it again on episode two. Okay? I'm not asking. This is the exact tone I use with a four-year-old. I'm not asking. This is happening. Okay? Because next week, I'm going to make you guys click on a story and hopefully read it the whole charade that I actually do things people are interested in. But I don't really care because if you listen to this podcast, we hustle ass and we love you and y'all love us and we answer your questions and we do everything we can to steer the shift in the direction in which you want. But next week, you're going to click on my story and I'm going to make you every 90 seconds go by and just kind of push the cursor 
down just a little bit. Like you're a really slow reader. That's called engagement time. And we're going to rig that next week, okay? I don't care. I don't care if management listens. It's fine. As long as the advertisers aren't listening, they're not. You're going to keep scrolling down. We're going to have an engagement time on this on this profile that I've been working on slash feature. I think word count's probably going to be somewhere in the 7,500, 8,500 range. I want you every every minute or so just to scroll through a little bit throughout the course of a day, Okay. And then the next time I write one of these stories in a month or two, it'll be brought to you by some major corporate sponsor, and I'll be able to fly my helicopter out of this situation. Bill! By the way, you got some intro recommendations on Reddit. Oh, crap. I didn't look at the Reddit. I'm thieving fraud Fraudfree. I like Pensacola's and Tuesday Night Maction. Was I'm that making Steve- fun of it? Was that an enunciation joke? I, uh, well, I mean, he figured he thief and fraud. He figured out, you know. Oh, I thought it was like that. No, that, not like th- no, no, no. It, it wasn't a Lou Holtz joke. It was just. Right, keep going. What else we got? Uh, I'm Stephen Godfrey, and I'm the Bob Woodward of the Egg Bowl rivalry. Damn, that's a good one. Saving. <clears throat> no, wait. Should we read these on air? Because I'm. I want to use. All right, I'm using that one. <laughs> The Bob Woodward of the Egg Bowl. <laughs> oh, God. Keep going. Uh, I'm Stephen Godfrey, and you can find me at 38 Godfrey. I'm the lead Corso of PAPN. Uh, I'm eh. proof that tall dark, tall and dark are just sidekicks to handsome. Okay. Um, I like that. Okay. I'm Stephen Godfrey. I played an, Ill-inf- an ill-informed Bama fan way too naturally. Ooh, that's a pretty good one. So there you go. That's all we've gotten so far. It's only a few, but um, yeah, the the Woodward of the Egg Bowl is probably. Your I asked. I asked else. the greater. I asked the greater zeitgeist, the culture. I said, "Culture, be be mean." And Reddit said, "You have my sword. <laughs> I got you, Bay." Oh, we got a guest. Bill, we got a guest. We got a guest who was a football player. Now he's a member of the media. <laughs> He's going to talk to us a little bit about his alma mater, LSU, as they go and play Florida and how uh, – well, we haven't recorded the interview yet, but I want to ask him about how weird and dirty this rivalry has gotten. Then also ask him some questions because about eight years ago, I don't know if it's this week or last week, he was involved in a pretty famous play. Um, and then also just sort of ask him the state of uh, Louisiana State as he is uh, uniquely qualified to do so. So, <laughs> Bill, let's go ahead and bring on – T-Bob, baby. Bill, we got a special guest. Yes. We got a man We got a man who played the game. Uh, you can hear him every morning on Off the Bench on 100.3 in New Orleans and 104.5 in Baton Rouge. That's on ESPN Radio. Uh, let me tell you a little bit about T-Bob, baby. Normally, what happens on Twitter when people are uh, smack-talking one another, I don't know if he remembers this. Uh, normally with ex-athletes, people will say uh, really dumb stuff like uh, I could beat you up or I could fight you. One night I was, I was tweeting I was tweeting at T-Bob and I said that I could beat him at Hearthstone. And the next morning I woke up with a hangover and I was like, that is the worst challenge I've ever issued in my life because I haven't – it's been like a year and a half since I've logged into Hearthstone. So uh, if it's okay, we'll, we'll now bring on our guest T-Bob Abear. Let's just act like I never said that because I'm sure you would kick no. my ass. That, that it's it, it's all it's all good, man. I mean, that's that's definitely uh, the type of trash talk that I prefer. But <laughs> as far as Hearthstone goes, unfortunately, I too, I think, fell off the game about a year ago, a couple expansions yeah. ago. I mean, I love that game. I love that game for a long time. I played that game from like 2013 to 2017, probably. Spent a lot of money on my game. Thoroughly enjoyed <laughs> my time with it, but it just. 
I don't know. Eventually, it just kind of lost. I think what originally had it had attracted me to it in the first place. But you know, such as gaming, that's a lot of times how how the uh, natural evolution of things go. But also, you you're now in the same video game I am, which is Parenthood, uh, which causes great yeah. anxiety when you see something awesome in nerd culture coming out. Ah. If it's not a movie, I get it. I get anxious because if it's like a ten episode series of something, or like you know, Red Dead's about to drop, which is like a seventy hour commitment. Yeah. I'm just Which like, is about to go down right now, and it looks unbelievable. Yeah, I'm going to be the yeah. only SB Nation employee working when Red Dead comes out. Everybody, well, else yeah, because <laughs> I mean, it's, you either have to sacrifice. Look, the cops will come to your house if you don't parent your children. Eventually, right? You can probably hide from work a lot longer than you can hide from like DHS. That's that is the choice you got to make. All right, T Bob. Um, T Bob, real quick, a PSA, yeah. a PSA for all the dads out there. Huh? Go for it. You want to keep gaming. I myself have had to kind of get away from the multiplayer games, a lot more single player now. And she's still really little. My daughter's only seven months. So, like, I don't, I'm not in the full time, time sink yet. And now she's chewing on my toe. That's gross. Don't do that. Um, but, uh, but Nintendo Switch, I have found, has been invaluable in sneaking things here and there. Like, while you're on the toilet, while you're like putting him to sleep, you just turn the volume all the way down when they're in the crib or something. Like, like I, I, I think the Switch is the perfect kind of uh thing to keep your dad gaming time alive as least as much as you can i completely agree mine's actually sitting next to me on the work desk right now sometimes when bill goes off on a tangent <laughs> i'll just flip that bad boy on uh t-bop <laughs> uh, before we get to florida okay because because we need you to help contextualize this rivalry um uh, a strange thing happened eight years ago it was either like it was roughly this week i think it was actually last week um, what do you remember about the 2010 game against Tennessee? Um, okay, so the game against Tennessee is obviously a very close. Uh, it's, it's, it's very close to my heart. Um, I guess I'm, I'm trying to think about where to start. Uh, people give me a lot of credit for this game. For those that don't know, I was at LSU. We were locked in a battle with Tennessee. There was some bad clock management. Um, we had like 30 seconds left, no timeouts. We run a running play, but we didn't call a follow-up play in the huddle like you're supposed to. We get tackled at the one, and all of a sudden, like, the time's running out. Nobody's knowing what to do. And, uh, and I get a lot of credit because I snapped the ball with like a couple seconds left. And, and even though it was a fumbled snap and everything, Tennessee had 13 players on the field. So we had one untimed down. Uh, winner take all, which I, I love that. Like, that's like just the best football situation <laughs> I've ever been a part of is, you know, one yard to go, game on the line. Uh, let, let's, you, you got to bow up or, or, or you're eliminated. Like, I, that was really fun. But anyway, so 13 people on the field, we end up winning the game, crazy swing of emotions. And then everybody starts saying, like, oh, do you saved the game, man? And I love it. I love it because, you know what, there's no alignment not going to look to gift horse in the mouse i will take that but um but but that was really like so much more luck than skill like like there was almost no skill ball there was a crazy situation in which uh i just snapped the ball because i thought the game was going to end without us having to play and and really i like how my old man breaks it down which is it was the ultimate mad hatter moment because in between those plays when when the clock is running down, so at like 13 seconds at a running clock on the one yard line, we start subbing guys. We sub in a whole new package. I still don't know how we got a legal formation to begin with because, like, 
we had like apparently the the skill guys told me the coaches were singling in like three different formations, but somehow we did. We go from like heavy to like four wide. Dooley's freaking out. He's like, "What is this? What is this master plan that Miles has got here? This is so bold." And so he's like, "I got to match him." And he runs on guys. They don't run enough guys off. And in the end, they get a penalty. We get another shot. We win the game, and it caps off what was the longest drive of my career. I think it was 18 plays long to win that wow. game. So really, less being less for better in, in in this situation probably worse because logically that play ends, you know, LSU loses the game, but less less is strangeness causes Dooley to freak out, which causes what thir- I think it's 13 guys on the field. The bad time, the bad management from the coaches, you're freak you're you're worried there's no play. So it actually it was exactly like Les drew it up. <laughs> No, it is it is the it is the ultimate Mad Hatter moment. He he basically incepted Derek Dooley. <laughs> he went to the deepest drain state and like made Derek Dooley think that he had to sub to match us and that it was all a part of the plan and it wasn't just pure unadulterated chaos. But so so I, I guess I I will say this like as far as my experience, I have never had such an intense swing of emotions in such a short period of time where you go from feeling like, you know, everything you worked towards ruined. That was a bad Tennessee team. We weren't supposed to lose to you just like you, you blew everything. Your coach is probably going to get fired. And then like literally like three minutes later, you won, you're still undefeated. All is good. You're celebrating like a madman. I mean, that, that just life experience, I think is, is, I don't know if it will ever be replicated in terms of the disparity of the uh, two uh, of the two dueling emotions. And it was cool to me. I had like 18 people at that game. I've never had so many people at a football game to watch me play among like friends and family. And al- awesome. along those lines, then you know, it was fun. At, you know, from my writing experience, uh, less the whole less miles era was fun uh, because you really can't yeah. kind of create this this just this world of he just creates chaos and he assume he, he assumes his guys will handle it better than them. Uh, but th- how much of that was intentional? Like on, on, on just the the zero to a hundred scale, like what percent was intentional and how much of it really was just like unintentional chaos, I guess. No, I mean, it was chaos. I've actually talked to Coach Miles about it since, and he says that the coordinator started signaling a different formation, and then he was like, I mean, at this point, do I jump in? He was like, no, I think you just got to let it ride. Um, The the real mistake was made in not calling a follow-up play. Yeah. Like, if you're in that situation, you have no timeouts, you have 30 seconds or however much time we have left, and you got two downs to get one yard and get in the end zone, you have to work from a worst-case scenario standpoint, right? So what's the worst-case scenario there? You get tackled inbounds, running clock. So what we should have done, okay, here's your first power play, and if we don't get it, here's the second power play that we're going to run. Uh, for whatever reason, we did not. It's okay, I'll sit and suit. But, but it is funny to me how, like, people talk about how I saved the game uh, or whatever, but it's like, there were so many, like I said, that was pure luck. That was, yeah. that was barely anything. Like there were so many crazy plays made along the drive to get there. At one point we had like fourth and 15 or like fourth and 12 and Jordan had been in the game and they were like, ah, let's just put Jared in. He'd get it. <laughs> and so they just asked Jared Lee to go in there ice cold and get a fourth and long, which he did. I think it was like Terrence Tolliver. And there was just so many moments like that 
throughout it. The craziest part is I didn't even start the drive playing center. I was at guard, and then halfway through, the center went down. I was like, all right, I'll just go back and switch back over. <laughs> but, uh, but, but to, like, Jarrett, like, Josh, like, I, I, like, all my teammates, everybody, like, there were so much more – there were way more skillful plays that drive that led to that win. But like I said, I, I will gladly take the credit since as an O-lineman, it's all incredibly rare. All right. Well, we didn't just want to pick apart one of the most famous plays in SEC history. Um, we also wanted to ask you, we'll, we'll put your media hat on now. So LSU, Florida, it's not, if you're not maybe an LSU or Florida fan, it's probably not the first or fifth or sixth rivalry that you would name in the SEC. Um, it kind of gets overshadowed. Yeah. It, was, it was sort of manufactured back when the original division split happened and they created the cross division rivals. But gosh, this thing has gotten kind of ugly in, in recent years. It's changed up a little bit because, you know, some of the names and faces involved are different, but it created good games. Then there was a lot of bitterness over the hurricane situation a couple years ago. Um, this is, I, I don't, I don't want to ask the dumb question, this is a game they want to win, right? But this is a game that I know a lot of people at LSU and they really, really dislike a lot of people at the University of Florida. Well, it's 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 a it's a rivalry that um, it, it's even weird to hear you say that because like as LSU so close and as someone who has like played in these games and knows what they meant to us as players and as fans like to me it's always felt like this huge rivalry so so it is odd to almost get the national perspective where it's maybe not as big of a deal because like in my experience at least during my formative years. Um, you had Nick Saban at LSU. Then you have Urban Meyer and Tim Tebow at Florida. And those two are going head-to-head every year. Like, that was a massive matchup. For a while there, us in Florida were almost kind of – it almost felt like you were alternating national championships. Uh, my favorite game I ever played in in my entire college career was actually 2010 Florida. We, we went to the Swamp and beat them on a lasting and fade another crazy. Oh, that's right. That, that, was, was, the that was the bounce, the, right? Yeah, the yeah, bounce. Yeah, that was the bounce over the head. You watched that video the other day for the first time in years, and that has got to be one of the ballsiest calls I've ever seen. 20 seconds left. You're down by three, fourth and three. Instead of kicking the field goal, you call the fake with the game on the line. And, uh, and hey, look, it, it, it worked, whatever. But <laughs> that was my favorite way. So, like, so this Florida game – has always meant a ton to me. Like, the first thing I did, and I never did this to any other opponent, the first thing I did when we won that Florida game was run out to the F and just start stomping on it and jumping up and down <laughs> wow. on it because it felt so good. And really, because the year before, they had stomped on the Tiger Eye before the game and then beat us at home. So it was like this long-term revenge type deal. But, no, there is real heat in this rivalry between these two teams. And for the most part, over the last 20 years, uh, they've both been really good programs. Yeah. Like, like they've been programs that have times that have like cannibalized each other. I mean, when LSU wins the national, or when LSU wins the Natty in 03, the one team they lost to, Florida, in Baton Rouge, nineteen to seven. Ninety-seven, Florida's ranked number one. LSU be like, there's all kinds of history to us here locally. So yeah, this is a rivalry that means a ton to uh, both of these schools. Uh, what does it mean now in the Ed Orgeron era? Because it's become, it's become something. Like, I, honestly, I think a lot of people, when when Orgeron's the interim head coach, they think when he loses that game and sort of the botched run play at the end with Darius Geis a couple years ago, they thought, well, that's it for Ed Orgeron. He's not going to come back from this. 
Yeah, I um, that that it, oh, that is so crazy to remember. I I thought that was I, I thought that was going to seal his doom. That was yeah. a game that LSU definitely should have won. Um, that was a game where Florida was decimated injury wise. LSU looked to be a much better team. I believe they were more talented, and they just got beat. I mean, bad. I think it was like turnovers on the goal line. Type of stuff that you see in this LSU Florida series. And then it's one of the reasons why I'm a bit concerned about Saturday. Because when I look at it from a pure resume standpoint, I think LSU's resume looked far superior to that of Florida. But when you think back, like the, the unlikely has ways of coming about this. One thing I hate, and, and it has nothing to do with on the field, this would just be LSU has won twice in a row in the swamp. They won at 14 and they won at 17. They played it two years in a row in Baton Rouge. They've right. only done that like three other times in the history of the series, and they've never won three in a row. So, like I said, that doesn't I mean, that has nothing to do with on the field. But you know, those numbers are weird sometimes, where just crazy situations happen. So, I'm pretty nervous about this. Actually, Bill, I got to say, your S and P ratings I think have a very interesting read yeah. on this game that I've been citing all week, where Florida is actually a 1.8 advantage, I think, like yes. as a 1.8 point advantage. Yeah. Which, no, I, which when you combine that with Vegas at two and a half, and then uh, it just, it, you start to see that this is maybe closer than it looks from a pure resume standpoint. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm looking forward to the next couple of weeks for LSU just because, um, you know, there is a difference obviously between resume and what my own numbers think about the, about the Tigers as a whole next couple of weeks. I mean, SP is either right or wrong and it, it either it's right and they lose a couple of games here or um, it's wrong and it adjusts and suddenly LSU is a top five or six or seven team. So uh, I'm definitely looking forward to kind of a, this put up or shut up kind of moment from a number standpoint, but uh, no, I mean, this series, like, yeah, but, six, I mean, but, but I mean, but to, to your credit, like at the same time, Vegas had that Auburn game, Mm-hmm. At Auburn minus ten, and the SEC had him at fifty fifty. So that's what I'm trying to tell people. Like this is a, it's not a system that has any sort of agenda or anything. Right. This is kind of a predictive <laughs> tool to help inform, yeah, uh, kind of where these teams stand. And, and I agree with you. There, I mean, there are a couple losses coming for LSU. Like yeah. you don't you don't play a streak of at Florida, and then Mississippi State, Georgia, Alabama and go through unscathed. If you do, that's one of the most legendary runs. (laughs) Right. Maybe the most legendary month in school history. So we're going to learn how good this LSU team really is. Absolutely. Um, That kind of brings me to my next point, which is that there there really is no no coach right now in the top 20, top 15, whatever, that's just scrutinized and and maybe misunderstood as as, uh, the man you know as Bebe. I mean, we've talked about yeah. this before. I've interviewed about this before. He recruited you when you were coming out of high school when he was at Ole Miss. You know him very well. Obviously, same part of the world. Uh, I know your dad knows him really well. So, yeah, uh, what he it's hard to it's hard to explain to the outside world how many people love him, how many people simultaneously are doubtful of his ability to turn LSU into into a true national power. And how off everyone, it seems like, has been in the national media about LSU this year. What is it like down there? Is it? It's kind of hard to be us against the world when you're a, when you're a college football power, but it kind of feels like that. Well, you know what though, it's actually kind of it, it's actually pretty contentious within the LSU fan base as well. This really? was a um, this was a polarizing decision. I, I think that Ed Ogeron kind of gets prejudged for a couple of reasons. One of which, obviously his stint at Ole Miss was an abject disaster. Like, there's just – 
no way around that. Recruited well, but not much else went well while he was down there. Um, so that, that, that's going to be the ultimate piece that is always used against him. But I also think because he was a position coach, not a coordinator, because he has this very thick accent, this thick Cajun accent, super gravelly voice, he's not maybe as like polished as, um, as, as a lot of other head coaches. I think he gets pigeonholed and stereotyped into being like not a smart head coach, just like a football guy. But like, but like one thing that I found very interesting interviewing him over the last couple of years is he's very forward thinking when it comes to football. Like he's heavily into analytics, the analytics of the, the game themselves. Uh, like when they've gone like to use all their fourth down decisions, they run them through the matrix or whatever, and they figure out, okay, well, actually it suits us here to go with it. And, and that's just one example where he's been, he, I think he is a lot more intelligent than people give him credit for as a coach. And I think that now the success that he's having is starting to prove that. Like his like last 30 games, 31 games as a head coach, including the two interim stints, I think he's like the eighth winningest coach in the country right now. And at LSU, he's something like 13 and four, 14 and four, has four of these, uh, four and two against top 10 teams at this point. The losses being to Alabama, so like, He's starting to prove himself. So right now, the O'Doubters are a little more quiet here locally, but like politics, I think we live in a very polarized age. This decision was so contentious that really, instead of people fully buying in right now, it feels like a lot of the portion of the fan base are kind of biding their time to when a couple losses come to then hop back on the, I told you he wasn't the guy trained, which, you know, that's where I love football is that, ultimately the coaches get to decide what the reaction is to them because they control their own destiny. You go out there and you win, nobody will tell you anything. You'll be the toast of town. Everybody will love you. You'll make millions of dollars. You go out there and you'll lose, and eventually you'll be fired. <laughs> no, it, it was an interesting um, interacting with LSU fans heading in toward this season and that it was kind of two things at once. They were defensive and, and kind of naturally trying to push back against the narrative uh, that you just described. But at the same time, they didn't seem like they were feeling very good about this year. Um, and so it no. really was kind of this weird feeling amongst the LSU fans I interacted with, but they, they seem to be pretty happy so far. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's, look, they, they've exceeded expectations. Um, and, and ultimately, a fan base, as I've said this countless times in my years of radio, which is that, like, ultimately, a fan base's happiness level, it's not uh, dependent on the actual results. It's where do those results land in relation right. to your expectations. Right. So with the seven and five, because those were the expectations, were seven and five. I was viewed as an optimist for saying eight and four. I think nine and three is probably the play now, but it could still go, you know, there's a lot of football left to play. So let's see, but, um, but, but so when you come out and you win the Miami game, a game that many people were out for, and then you win the Auburn game, a game where I did not see them going into Auburn and winning. I just did not see it. Uh, then you have exceeded expectations. So people are going to be happy. However, it is funny how quickly expectations can change oh, yeah. now, right? Because now the only acceptable losses left on the schedule are Alabama and Georgia. Like those are ones where people, and even Georgia people are starting to get overcopped off. But, but those are <laughs> ones where people be like, okay, you know, we get it. But now Mississippi State, Florida, all these other schools at Texas A&M, you know, like the LSU fan base fully expects this team to beat those teams. Yeah. 
I can totally confirm this, having uh, many, many in-laws who are TAF members and season ticket holders that on a dime I got on Labor Day weekend, how bad is it going to be for us this year to all of a sudden, I mean, I don't see why we can't make the playoff, which is, that is the LSU way of living, basically. The world's ending or it's the biggest party ever. Um, T-Bob, we appreciate it, man. Uh, Thank you so much for hanging out with us and and trying to explain probably, I, I would say, the most unique uh, fan culture in the Southeastern Conference sometimes. Uh, you again, you can yeah, check dude, out. It's like it's like trashy swamp people on trashy <laughs> swamp. What's there not to love? Like we have better food. They have jean shorts. There's it's just fun all around. Oh, I'll leave it at that. Perfect. All right, T Bob, we appreciate it, man. Thanks a lot. All right, lady, y'all. Bill, magic jump through time here. Uh, I feel pretty good about an interview that hasn't actually happened yet. That that was an amazing interview. What do you think? <laughs> oh, is I mean, I, I, by far the best one we've ever done. I agree. That part where he said that um, that thing was amazing. Look, you know, I'm sure it was great. Tasting menu, tasting menu. Dartmouth Yale on Friday night. Oh, just stop it. Uh Thursday, everything sucked. Well, yeah, yeah, it mostly sucks. All right, let's do this thing. Uh Thursday. As you listen to this tonight, I'm going to be watching the Braves. I don't care. I'm not supposed to say that, but I'm watching the Braves. Georgia State goes to Troy, 6.30 p.m. Central Time. God's time zone on ESPNU over on the flagship ESPN at 7 p.m. Tulsa goes to Houston. Uh, Pointsy. Yeah, I mean, Tulsa is, if nothing else, an endurance test. You, you're going to have to endure 90 or 100 plays. Poor Temple. I mean, they, they pretty much Tulsa, controlled Tulsa a couple weeks ago. If nothing else, they're... you're an endurance. That, that's going to be in those little meme things that the team graphics people make up. <laughs> yeah, Probably not. I, I want to make sure I, I, I emphasize that Tulsa isn't very good, uh, but they will make you play a lot of plays. Yeah, but and combine that with what Kendall Browse has done to that offense, it'll be fine. I mean, it'll be pointsy. So yep. I ain't giving you no other guarantee than that. Troy should take care of Georgia State. Yeah. Friday, ESPNU. Am I now? Do you now want me including these Ivies in the rundown? <laughs> yes. All right. On ESPNU, I mean, shout out to them for getting on ESPN. They got off the NBC Sport. Oh, I shouldn't say that. Comcast is a valued partner of this podcast. Uh, Dartmouth goes to Yale at 5 p.m. Central Time. Uh, over on ESPN at 6 p.m. Georgia Tech goes to Louisville. Gross. On CBS Sports Network at 6.30, Middle Tennessee goes to Marshall. And at 8 p.m. on The Deuce, which no one says anymore, Utah State goes to BYU. One of the most um, interesting S&P Plus picks of the week, Utah State 32, BYU 24. It really uh, likes Utah State. In um, accordance with uh, the money that was spent on the charity drive, it is BYU Provo. Oh, right, right. Sorry. BYUP, BYUP. Now, I did get a counteroffer from someone from BYU after the fact to mention something. It basically was just like your standard smack. I mean, I don't expect BYU fans to be good at smack, no offense, but it was like, can you just mention that Utah State's in Logan? And I'm thinking like, dude, I've I've been to Salt Lake twice and it was the airport, but (laughs) I'll take your word for it. That town sucks. I don't know. BYUP. Well, and, and S&P has joined the fray, though. Uh, they are also talking smack by picking Utah State to win. Now, now I, I don't think that holds up. They were supposed to destroy Air Force, and they merely won last week, so I'm pretty sure Utah State's going to be falling pretty quickly here. But Not sure about this one. And if they win, they're, 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 they're clean slate to about 10-2 and two, uh, yeah. for Utah State, which would be a lovely season, obviously. Let's go to Saturday. All right. Pretty healthy amount of morning games. I'm going to go to 1 o'clock. 
How's that? Yeah, one o'clock. Starting at 11 a.m. Central, God's time zone on ESPN. Alabama goes to Arkansas over on CBS Sports Network. Buffalo goes to Central Michigan. Eastern Carolina is at Temple on ESPN News over on ESPN Extra. I don't know what that means. Oh, wait. Not supposed to read that one. Uh, Over. Skip, skip, skip. Big Ten Network, Illinois at Rutgers. Yeah. Technically, uh, a Power 5 versus Power 5 matchup. Jesus. Kansas at West Virginia at 11 a.m. on ESPN2. Maryland goes to Michigan at 11 a.m. on ABC. Missouri is at South Carolina on the SEC Network at 11 a.m. FS1 has Northwestern at Michigan State. That's also kind of meh. Red River, that's your game. Red River rivalry shootout. I don't know what it's called anymore. It's on Fox at 11 a.m. Get to screaming Gus. Tulane goes to Cincinnati. We're still at 11 a.m., by the way, on ESPNU. Let's go up to 11.20. That weird time means... Exactly what you think, that weird ACC network thing. Syracuse goes to Pittsburgh, and then over at 1130 on the other weird ACC check-your-listing situation is Boston College at North Carolina State. Uh, Let's see. Skip, 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 skip. And that is your morning. Uh, Can I just say how, like, I don't know what the ratings are um for espn and they're all the subsidiaries and their sec matchups but the whole put the helmet on espn and put the good games on sec network i don't know um alabama arkansas on espn south carolina missouri on sec network that's kind of garbage uh and the only time missouri is going to get on espn is next week when they play alabama which is fantastic do you Um, think it matters anymore because I i don't know if it does do you think it matters unless you have a preference on like play by play crew well, I don't yeah, know I mean, anymore. There, yeah, there is that. I don't uh, know. I mean, I'm I'm genuinely I don't I don't know anymore. Yeah, I mean, and, what is maybe they're doing? Is there any viewer reason, difference? But, because like, if you have access to ESPN, you probably oh, I have think access there's to the ESPN network. Yeah, I mean, I think there's still going to be absolutely a tendency to check ESPN and forget you have SEC, uh, SEC network unless you're, you're like an SEC fan. So I would assume yeah, I it does make right. a difference in that regard. But we're, just, we're uh, really we're really not qualified to do this because we're the opposite of a casual. Right. So right. Uh, picks here, pretty easy. Red River. Um, I mean, I could we could certainly stump for Tulane Cincinnati, but I no, do I was about to ask. Do you think Tulane? I think Tulane could come in there, hey! maybe break. That's been a while since that's happened. Yeah. Old man in the landline. Um, it's Tulane could go and break that undefeated streak of Cincinnati. Um, it's worth keeping an eye on. Yeah, and, but and, I mean, I would, I'm going to go Missouri South Carolina. I guess. Yeah, no, I think that's the number one is clear. Number two is clear. Just another week where Alabama, the number one team in the country, will just set the pace of the day by evaporating How many someone. points do we want to win by today? 48? Okay, let's win by 48 today. Yep. Another boring, boring Alabama day. Um, okay, we feel good about that. Is, is there a third in there, or are we just fine pushing along? No, too you- I mean, I, I, it's worth keeping up. Well, no, yeah, I can't even say Buffalo, Central Michigan, because Central Michigan's terrible. So, yeah, I think Tulane, Cincinnati is your um, commercial breaks. Like, if both of the other two games are on commercial at the same time, just go over and check on that one. Well, Boston College or NC State, if you can find it, which I don't know if you can, but that's that's obviously with NC State threatening to, you know, Mm-mm. maybe make something of the season, then that's a good one, too. I guess. Hey, it's goal line at 2 p.m. Hi, Podcat. Uh... Clemson goes to Wake Forest at 2.30 on ESPN. Florida State goes to Miami. Hey, remember when this was a game? Um, it's on ABC. Man, that just no play at all on a national level this week at all. Crazy. K-State at Baylor, 2.30 on FS1. The big CBS game is LSU at Florida. 
We've already talked about that. Mm-hmm. Iowa goes to Minnesota at 2.30 on Big Ten Network. Iowa State goes to Oklahoma State, ESPN2. Navy's at Air Force on CBS Sports Network. San Diego State goes to Murder Smurf Central on ESPNU. Uh, on 11, I don't remember what that thing is. Uh, South Florida's at UMass. Um, Arizona State goes to Colorado on the Pac-12 Network. We've now moved into 3 p.m. Central God's Time Zone. Indiana goes to Ohio State at 3 p.m. on Fox. That's another one, right? You just putting yeah. the you just putting the brand on and uh, yep. Louisiana Monroe goes to Ole Miss at 3 p.m. on SEC Network. Uh, New Mexico goes to UNLV on. I think I think you probably just get that on the Mountain West site is what they're advertising there. Uh, yeah, sure. no, no, no. Is that, is that that Altitude Network? But yeah, well, yeah, it's a Rocky Sports. North uh, something I don't know whatever you can yeah, uh, probably find I can't it on figure that one out. All right, we'll stop there with the with midday. friend of the program Tony Sanchez and the UNLV Rebels. We'll stop there. Um, or do you want to do through six? No, 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 no. that makes there's sense. There's not even um, a ra- there's not even like a random five o'clock game this week. Yeah, it's weird. Um, okay, so pretty chalk this week. I'm going to start, of course, with LSU Florida. Um, the Florida State Miami. I'm just interested in. I think Miami's going to handle them. Um, I really am curious how many points Florida State can score. Yeah. I mean, they, they have taken, we'll say, two steps forward offensively uh, over the last couple of weeks. I realize, you know, scoring 37 points on Northern Illinois is never going to impress anybody, but North, Northern Illinois' defense is pretty solid uh, if, like, undersized. And so they were able to handle that. They did well there. And then Louisville, I mean, granted – they were garbage for most about about three and a half quarters, but they still scored 28 points. So that's proof of life, if nothing else. Now they're at three and two. Uh, they're only projected favorites in one more game, uh, but they do get Boston College at home. They do get Florida at home. Uh, they're going to have a chance at a bowl, whereas a couple weeks ago it really didn't seem like they had a chance at a bowl. Um, you think Minnesota's got any kind of shot against Iowa? Well, I mean, they do in that Iowa's offense isn't all that good, and and they're going to play a very slowed down defense game. Like that'll allow you to stick around. But I, man, I thought I, I was starting to grow a little confident in Minnesota. The way they handled Fresno State, I like Fresno State, so I thought that was a pretty good win. Um, you know, they were handling their business, and then they went and just got completely and utterly destroyed by Maryland. And now I have no idea what to think. Uh, Oklahoma State needs to beat Iowa State in the Department of Redundant uh, Obvious Statements. Um, Iowa State, I, I'll give them a puncher's chance. Oh, yeah. Um, um, I like A lot of OSU's. curiosity games here. Nothing where I would I'd tell you to lock yeah. in. Yeah, um, a lot of surf. curiosity, actually. Um, and it's if LSU Florida is the number one choice, there are going to be 148 commercial breaks in that game. You'll have plenty of time to surf around other ch- This uh, is very true. So so a lot of anxiety tune-ins, like check yeah. and see if Florida State can score any points when they lose to Miami. Check and see if... We're going to leave K-State Baylor with a referendum on the end of the Snyder era. Um, you know, it's something we'll probably be talking about next week if it happens. Check and see on – oh, uh, San Diego State is a salty test for Boise. Yeah, yeah they're not um, they quite wanna... Sandy, full-on San Diego State like previous years, but they're still a test. Yeah. Um, Iowa, same thing. Going to be tested on the road at Minnesota where they probably should win. Same thing we just said about Iowa State and Okie yeah. State. Um, oh, and by I the really... way, Navy Air Force is always close. Yes, yes, it is. And that game will be like in the fourth quarter when LSU Florida goes to halftime, so you'll yeah. have a chance to watch the end. And then, honest, uh, kind of buried a lead here. Uh, Clemson at Wake, a quarterback situation to watch. So, yeah, I, yeah a lot of flipping around here. So, yeah, can we just say I, Florida? I, I expect Clemson to 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 romp. 
Um, okay. I, Wake Forest kind of fell apart a couple weeks ago and hasn't got it put back together yet. But, uh, but I of totally agree. In. But I will. It, it's something to keep an eye. On. Maybe, yeah. maybe more of a stat line watch than anything. Yeah. Unless unless yeah. it isn't unless it isn't wide open on you know by midday. Um, so yeah. a lot of a lot of remote flipping there. But um, I think I feel pretty confident saying to lock in on LSU Florida. Yeah. I didn't say anything about Arizona State and Colorado. It's on Pac-12 I mean, Network, so it doesn't exist. Somebody has to win the South. Yeah. <laughs> just might saying, be, somebody has to win Colorado. the South. <laughs> it might be one of those teams that I just mentioned. I don't know. Um, okay, so let's scoot past. So, uh, really, it's going to be like LSU, Florida, and then Bargain Bag, or like Variety Pack, yep. or I don't know, whatever. Don't worry about the metaphor that much. Steven. But, yeah, keep keep an eye. When, when Navy Air Force goes to the fourth quarter, it's probably going to be worth 15 minutes of your time. That's probably all it'll take to We to named, like, game. 13 games and LSU, Florida. Yep. We did a bad job there. 6 p.m., <laughs> let's move to the evening. Uh, what do we got at 6 p.m.? We got Kentucky going to Texas A&M Hell yes. on, ES- on ESPN. See, they 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 – Put the right game on the right yeah. spot there. Yeah, the, the, their only other choice was Auburn, Mississippi State. So, oh no, <laughs> they could have gone Vandy, Georgia. I will say that. Yeah, uh, SMU goes to UCF on ESPNU also at six p.m. Uh, UConn goes to Memphis on CBS Sports Network. The aforementioned Auburn Tigers Mississippi State contest on the ten year anniversary of three yeah. two is at six thirty on the Deuce. I'm I'm bringing the Deuce back. Um, Big Ten Network, 630, Nebraska, Wisconsin. Murder! Um, skip, skip, skip. Vandy goes to Georgia on the SEC Network at 630. At the same time, Washington goes to UCLA on Fox. Ugh. Um, speaking of murder. This was a funny week of writing for me, by the way. I just had a piece go up about, like, um, hey, UCLA's bad. Tomorrow morning I have, hey, it's the 3-2 anniversary, and Mississippi State and Auburn's offense is bad. So it's kind of an interesting week there. A lot of bad. Notre Dame goes to Virginia Tech at 7 p.m. on ABC. Hmm. Uh, Washington State goes to Oregon State at 8 p.m. on the Pac-12 network. And I guess we'll stop there yeah. for what, spoiler alert, is not a good night cap. Okay, your primetime slate. Kentucky A&M is going to be, Man, we're I getting think, SEC. by far the we're best We're getting game. really SEC about this. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, prove me wrong. Notre Dame, Virginia Tech could be good, but I can't guarantee it. I kind of think Notre Dame, Virginia Tech could be a blowout. It's po- it's it, it, at this exact moment, anything is possible with Virginia Tech: blowout, good or blowout bad. Notre Dame was the team I kept thinking was just an imposter. The quarterback change has changed my mind. I need to sit down and watch one of their games, soup to nuts. <laughs> Um, because well, I don't really watch chance. their games for whatever reason, so I could be totally wrong here. But um, I kind of I like I like Notre Dame at this moment, and I do not like Virginia Tech at this moment. Well, they I think they 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 bounced back last week. You know, they pummeled a good Duke team, and that was a that was a first step towards the uh for, for towards bouncing back from rock bottom two weeks ago. So the, I do. Feel I, I think the upside is still there. It's just, I mean, in the last two weeks, we've seen dramatic up and dramatic down, and who the hell knows what that means for Notre Dame. So, yeah, the re- that, that's, that, I mean, that's got national title implications. It's Lane Stadium on a Saturday night. That's awesome. Um, but in terms of, like, just the, the games I'm purely interested in, there are only two, really. I mean, Auburn-Mississippi State is interesting for any number of other reasons, but in terms of quality and implications and all that, it's Notre Dame, Virginia Tech, Kentucky A&M, and that's it. Kentucky A&M, here's my argument against it. I think Kentucky going there whipped their ass. 
it's possible. I, I mean, I mean and, I'm saying like Kentucky now in whip your ass in the good defense, solid running game kind of way. So you're right. maybe up by like 10 or 13 in a demoralizing manner at the half. But that, I mean, that may be it. That may be it. God, A&M did not look good against Arkansas. Yeah, I mean, AM's defense is still good enough to – because, I mean, again, the thing about Kentucky's offense is it doesn't really work until you're demoralized and tired in the fourth quarter. Um, yeah, that's true. So, I mean, if they can score – put together some semblance of, of points in the first half and keep it close, I think they could – it could flip around. Either way, this game could get out of hand in the fourth quarter, but um, don't really don't, – I'm not going to pick which way that is. I feel more con- uh, uh, confident in Kentucky, but only marginally so. Entirely possible Auburn beats Mississippi State, hands them three losses in a row, and yeah. Yeah. we'll be talking about that next week. Because well, yeah, let's put it this way. They've scored, uh, the Mississippi State scored 13 points the last two weeks. Uh, Auburn's defense is better than Kentucky's or Florida's. Um, yeah, no, you know, exactly. Yeah, they, I mean, they'll, they, they've had ch- you know each week they have a new chance to figure out some things that work, but the bottom line, and this is kind of one of the premises of the piece tomorrow morning, is that the pre- – the 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 idea behind the run pass option is that you can run or pass. You with the there's a pass tag on every run, but if if you can't pass, uh, then the other team's just gonna say, yeah, go ahead and make that read and throw uh, quickly to the sideline and bomb it out of bounds. You know, and if, it, it, it it blows up if you can't actually throw the football. We'll go ahead and rush through the evening real fast yeah. to make a point. Um, 9 p.m. on FS1, Cal at Arizona, 9:30, Colorado State goes to San Jose State, 9. Oh. 30 fresno state goes to nevada 9 30 hey utah goes to stanford um if you had to go to dinner on a saturday night this fall like spouse loved one something i usually i usually eat dinner about 5 15 so this doesn't really apply to me of course you do gramps um this is the week to do it (laughs) you could dvr two games and be fine yeah, and you, yeah, I mean Utah Stanford should be. If you had, be had Stanford won last week, I'd be all over that game. Well, I mean, it's not like they lost to a Pac-12 team last week. They're still in good shape in that regard. But uh, <laughs> wow, um, Washington. Eh. It's kind of Washington now, and that's not the greatest bet. By the way, thanks for a uh, uh, real quick. We don't. Do we even need oh. to pick? Do we? We got to do. Hang on. Uh, Utah Stanford. You're. You're. you're oh yeah, that's, that's really the only. But yeah. I mean, Cal Arizona could be interesting, but probably won't be. Uh, the two Mountain West games are garbage. So yeah, it's yeah, Utah it's pretty Stanford. bad. Um, hang on. Let's do the bargain bin for a minute, and then come back. Remind me to talk about Washington. Um, we talk a lot of Washington on this podcast. Um, in the bargain bin, ULL goes to Texas State at six, and that's on. Uh, ESPN Plus on Vision. Liberty. Not a good pull out of the bargain bin, Stephen. Liberty. New Mexico State. One. Ooh, ooh. You come home from the bars or dinner. You oh. drink too much at dinner. Here's yeah. what here's what yeah. here's what Here you go. do. You I know, know you know where I, you know where I'm headed. Mind meld. You ready? You have too much to drink. You come home, you imbibe a different kind of intoxicant. You get in bed, couch, futon, I don't care. Um, you fire up that Wyoming Hawaii on Stadium. Yep. Starts at eleven Central. Yep. Coming home from the bars on the East Coast, perfection, perfection. Uh, by the way, in the bargain bin, probably the best game is um, once again North Dakota State, uh, ESPN Plus, North Dakota State at Northern Iowa. Louisiana Tech had a really good win against um, 
North Texas last week. They're home. Yeah, SP doesn't like Louisiana Tech yet. I haven't completely figured out why because I haven't really had a chance to watch them. They have UAB beating them by one despite God, the that's big. The most, that's the most, oh yeah, he's there. Freaking recognition is always Skip Holtz at Louisiana Tech. <laughs> oh yeah, he's there. They seem to be doing pretty well, time. but I haven't had a chance to look at why uh, SP doesn't like them yet. Hey, quick shout out. I'm allowed to do this on Look Ahead because um, we do the schedule on a Thursday show. Guess what starts next Tuesday? Tuesday night football. <laughs> That's right. Already? Ab State goes to Arkansas State. Baby. Oh, okay. So it's not Maxion yet. It's it's Sunbelchin. Okay. It's it's uh Sunbelchin. Sunbelch football Fun to watch. Belt. Uh yeah, because then there's they've got a game on Thursday and they've got a game on Tuesday, and then see Maxion got all Maxion got a little full of themselves. Actually, I totally agree with this. I, I always want to write this story where See, yeah, there's no Tuesday game the following week. Maxion basically was like, hey, we're really tired of doing this. We're going to pull it back. Yeah, yeah, because there's another game. Tuesday, October 23rd is the next Tuesday game. It's my anniversary. Uh, <laughs> Troy goes to South Alabama, and then Thursday's a normal slate. I don't – is Maxion starting November now? Yeah, usually it's like November 1st. There, there you are, baby. October 30th. You yep. ready for a doubleheader on Tuesday and a game on Wednesday? Hell yeah, you are. I don't even need to read them <laughs> off, but there will be nine – or six, sorry, uh, teams playing from the Maxion. Actually, there's a oh, bunch man, more when you – damn. God, the whole conference is playing in the middle of the week. Oh, yeah. You know, that's what happens. Like when, when the, the when whole... calendar flips to November, Saturday is no longer exists for the Maxion. There are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten Mac teams playing before Friday. One week. And by the way, the best uh, Maxion potential of the year – uh, is Buffalo at Toledo, and it's on a freaking Saturday. It's in, it's on like on October 20th. Because you know when they were making that schedule out, they're like, well, no one's going to watch that shit. Yeah, that was their best opportunity for a full-on Maxion game, and it's not on a on a Tuesday. Uh, I don't know Washington. about Bill, but I, I saw y'all on the Twitter uh, preaching our case. Don't be mean to Washington. They they're already don't want to let us in. Don't <laughs> be mean, folks. Y'all got to kill them with kindness. There's a tongue-in-cheek element to this whole operation. Um, we don't actually want to be in there and be like, "Hey, let us do." It. Okay, you gotta, yeah. you gotta talk us up. Yeah, man. it's a fun chant, not yes. "Hey, stop being terrible." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you gotta, you gotta tell them how great we are. Um, it's probably not gonna happen, but mm. give it a shot. I, if it were to happen, here's the problem. You know, the second loss, and poof, they're done. So, at least in terms of the national interest. So. When is that second loss? What what's our time frame here? Is what I'm trying to figure well, out. Well, I mean, the closest games from a projection standpoint, the, the the closest games they have left are they're an 11 point projected favorite at Oregon in two weeks. Although that's, you know, I could be I'd be mm. willing to think it's closer than that. And then 11 points against Washington State the last week of the year. Those are their. Is that uh, game their, in Eugene? Uh, yes, it's in Eugene. So that's I probably. Most certain, like at this point, S and P almost likes Washington State as much as Oregon, but I still, I think, I, I think I trust Oregon more to win that game. So that's two weeks, a week and a half, actually. If they win that game, you got Colorado the following week, at Cal and Stanford. Yep. If the Pac-12 has any shot in hell, Washington has to win out. Yeah. If Washington is, if Washington, well, they're going to beat UCLA. All right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to do this legit, and then we're going to have all every uh, y'all rush to the ball. 
if they we're going into Oregon week, we're just gonna flat out, we're gonna hit him in the ass on Twitter. We're gonna we're gonna go full on and just be like, look, we are I don't know how many viewers or readers we have at SP. I always forget the boilerplate, but we have a lot of people that read SP Nation. We really do. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of people that listen to this podcast. Mm-hmm. Here's coach, sit down, sit a spell. I'm real. This is again tongue out of cheek. This is what I do for a living. I actually am pretty good at this, where I get people to open up through just a regular conversation that kind of winds and meanders, and we get to something where I can disarm them a little bit. Just like honestly, what's Honestly, with ESPN, do you feel misrepresented? How do you feel slighted? How much of this is the conference's fault? How much of this is just simple, matter-of-fact geography that you're never going to overcome? How much, did the, how much of this wears into the psyche of the uh, Seattle sports fan, Seattle being the largest market that contends for titles in American sports that is furthest away, I oh, guess you right. would say, right? Unless you count, like, I guess the Trailblazers, and that's it, and then the soccer stuff. So... There's a feature there. Yeah. Me and Bill are going to go Seattle on the company dime. <laughs> um, I'm legit. I mean, I've kicked this around in a pitch before, but I love the idea of Chris Peterson just being like, Chris Peterson, who, by the way, I think I don't think we're selling this right to the audience, Bill. One of the nicest people you can talk to simultaneously kind of avoids and I think dislikes the media, but then also is like, hey, hey, Herb Street, eat it. Yeah, and, and I also wonder, I mean, like how much of that does he – not that you can really get into this because mm. even if he talked, but like how much of this is a posture thing because it riles the fans up? You think he's Dan Mullen in it? I, I mean, coaches are politicians is all I can really say. Even the ones who seem pretty introverted are still politicians. I'm still trying to figure out if Dan Mullen's going to turn into a super weirdo dick about Florida State or Georgia. Because you can only really rally to one cause, right? Right, yeah. Well, I mean, you'd I think, be smart I'm thinking to, Georgia. You'd be well. I guess it'd be smart and stupid to go with Georgia right now. Uh, smart because it's the bigger game, and stupid because it's the game you're infinitely more likely to lose. Uh, I had some people ask me if I was coming back around to Florida. The idea that they were just automatically second place now for the next foreseeable future, um, and had I sold them short, da da da. No, you beat State by seven points. Stop it. Um, I still, I'm, it's again, it's not you, it's Georgia. It's not you, it's Georgia. Y'all win that game, I'll shut up. It's also Kentucky at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, Bill with a haymaker. I, they've lost one game in a row to Kentucky. Haymaker, Bill. All right, we got to get out of here. Yep. Um, Bill, I'll see you Sunday. Yep, normal schedule.